Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. You can bring the lights up. Uh, grateful to be here. I just had a, a really enjoyable week in preparing this message and uh, trust that it will be a blessing to you. Um, I don't know if you were here last week, but I had re- reference that asked at the end of the service if you ever ha- had regrets or um, and how, how do you navigate that and deal with that. And I, It was interesting. This isn't what the message primarily will be about. This is just a lead-in to the message. Um, but I was... The, the scripture that we're going to actually look at is following this in Luke 16, but I found it fascinating that preceding that in, in Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son, which we're, many of us are familiar with. And if you don't know the story, basically the son goes to the father and he says, I want my inheritance, basically saying, give me the goods, I which was in essence saying I, you could be as good as dead because you only got inheritance if once your father passed away. And so he was like, you're dead to me. Give me my stuff. And how does that make a father feel if their son says, all I want is the goods and I don't care about you. And so he goes off and thinks that he's going to really live life, live it up and... Uh, <coughs> experience life for all that it, it's worth. And um, I highlighted, we're not going to read through this scripture, but um, I highlighted a few things. And he said, it says in the scriptures that he squandered his property in reckless living. So he had no consideration for thinking about the future. He was living for the day. He's like, let's eat, let's drink, for tomorrow we die. He's just living for the day. And he cares nothing about the future, and he's just living with with reckless living. And maybe you've lived with reckless living before, or you've seen people with reckless living, and it never ends well. (laughs) And and then it goes on to say that he comes to his senses, because he was sitting there in the pig slop, and he said, my my father's servants eat better than, than I do. And what am I doing with my life? I'm sitting here in the muck of the pigs and I'm desiring what they eat as desirable. And that's how low he is. And, and then he says he comes to his senses and he says, I will return home. And as he's returning home, and I, I find it interesting, Judah Smith uh, has a teaching on this and he, he talks about how he didn't think it was a short time from getting back to home because it was a long way off. It was a journey. So it wasn't as though it was just a you know, hop, skip, and jump away. It was, it was a journey to get back home. Yes, sir. So he had a lot of time to reflect on the, where he is in life now and just how messy his life is. He's come to this point and he's wasted his father's inheritance. None is left. And as he's returning home, he, he's rehearsing in his mind, what am I going to say to my father? And basically he comes up with that, I'll just tell him I'm not worthy to be your son. That just hire me as a servant. I'm not worthy to be your son. And you know when we're in the muck and the mire of life, 
we don't really feel worthy of much, do we? And he's, he's not even thinking that his father will receive him. He'll be disappointed. He even has a vision of his father's look on his face as just this one of disgust, like, you, you wasteful waste of a space. That's how he thinks he's anticipating. He's projecting how he feels about himself onto how he believes his father will feel about him. And we do that sometimes in relationships. We project onto the people and what we feel about ourselves is the way they'll receive us. So he says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And he's going home and he's rehearsing this and anticipating that his father will receive him or not receive him. It says, while he was a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he did something in that day that was undignified. He ran to his son and he embraced him. Before he even had a word to say, you know, I'm not worthy to be your son, he gave him a big hug and started kissing him on the cheek and began to tell him that let's have a celebration. We're going to have a party. My, my son that was dead is now alive. In essence, he was lost, but now he's found. And I say all of that to say and to frame what we will be talking about is that I was re- reflecting on how do we deal with our regrets? Yes, sir. You know, because we all have some. We all have things that we wish we had the do-over button, that we could do it again and try again, and that we could erase some things from our past. And um, one thing that, that I have a friend um, in Virginia that he was a missionary for many years, and uh, he has nothing to show for his name in terms of finances. And one time he got an inheritance, I think it was about $50,000. And it, it was, he gave much of it away, and, and, but he thought, you know, it, it's all gone. And he thought, I just wasted that. I wasn't a, I wasn't a good steward of that. I, I just squandered it. And he has regrets thinking of how he would do things differently. And we all have those things in our lives. And the thing that we must do with our regrets is bring them to the Father who receives us. Because he's the one that, that runs to us, embraces us, and basically says, the past is gone. Let's begin again. And... And I think this message is appropriate as we, we look to the end of 2014 and anticipate a new year in 2015. Um, but before we do that, I want to do something fun. It's okay to have fun in church, right? I have a $15 Cold Stone gift card that I want to give away. And I just, raise your hand. Sit down, Connie. <laughs> Uh, if you raise your hand if you've been here the last several weeks and you can tell me. We've been talking about Welcome Jesus and what are the three things so far that we've covered of Welcome Jesus. You have to get all three. She has a hint. You're on to something. Mwape. Awesome. You're the winner. So we, we, first week we talked about how to re- welcome Jesus through rest, and then we 
with the children's service, we talked about welcome Jesus like a child. And last week we talked about welcome Jesus through service. And, and this week, um, so rest like ch- little children, service. And today we're going to be talking about welcome Jesus through stewardship. And some of you may or may not be familiar with, with the term stewardship. Um, it's kind of a word that is used both in, in, implicitly in concept throughout Scripture and explicitly in some places with the very word stewardship. I mean, it's, it's spoken about at several points. Um, raise your hand if you're, you're by nature uh, a pessimist. You just, it's okay, no judgment here. Some of us are just pessimistic about things. We have a house full of optimists. This is a good place to be this morning. <laughs> now, I was going to joke that who would like to be an optimist, but you're too pessimistic. <laughs> so, 2015, um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I always look to a new year with great expectation and anticipation. Even if I've had the best year of my life, I feel like next year is going to be better. And I, I, I feel like that's a way of life of faith that if Christ is in the mix, then something good's going to happen. Yes. I'll never forget the time I was in Ukraine and we went to this small village church and this woman, and I've told this story, I think, before, but this woman brought a cake to church. She was an unbeliever and she came to faith and, and received Christ that day and they had used the cake that she brought to celebrate her salvation. And she said she woke up that morning and she just felt something good was going to happen today. And I just, we, it was just a, a wonderful picture of what it looks like to just anticipate that something good's going to happen. So in that, um, we're going to look at, so I, as I've, reminded you that each week I'm, I'm asking, what am I asking you to receive from Christ today? That's what drives the message. And so today I'm asking you to receive the stewardship of his kingdom. And, and I will unfold to, to you what that means and what stewardship is in the picture that uh, scripture draws for us. Um, and, and let me be clear in the sense that some people like jokingly play with words and like um, say, Stuart, who's Stuart? <laughs> what did we learn at church today? Oh, we were learning about stewardship. Who's Stuart? So they're silly like that. Um, you'll see that that's funny later. Right now you don't laugh. So. Um, so what is stewardship? The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to our care. So, what I, what I would like to see is, we often think about ownership, you know, we, we own our goods, our, our car, or whatever, and it, it's contrasted in scripture with stewardship. Stewardship is a mindset that I, I don't own anything, even my body I don't own. It says in the scriptures that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So our money, our, our belongings, everything we see as simply, I'm, I'm entrusted to take care of it, but I own nothing. And it's a good way to live life. It's a good way to frame life because 
there's a tendency, I don't know, if you're a guest in somebody's home, hopefully you, you're, you behave well and that you want to be respectful to the, the owner, right? Um, now, granted, there are, are <laughs> there are cases where people think, like we, we joke about in uh, Seinfeld, where he's pretty <laughs> disgruntled with, with uh, the car rental place, and he's like, yeah, do you want uh, insurance on that? And he's like, yes, because I'm going to beat the heck out of this car. <laughs> And so he has this attitude that if it's a rental car, then I'm going to drive it with no concern for how well I'm, I'm taking care of it. But hopefully we have a, a different approach to the way we take care of things, that we really, uh, as stewards, we want to take things to the best degree and leave them as better than we found them, right? Yes, so what are the things that we, what do we steward? Oh, I messed up there. It's steward, I, I misspelled it. What do we steward? Relationships, right? Time. We're all given 24 hours in a day and we're called to steward our time, right? Uh, opportunities. And, and throughout, in all of these, there were different scriptures that, um, that I had referenced that you're welcome to write down if you're taking notes. Um, like relationships, it talks about in Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we can encourage one another that ever, let us not, uh, uh, as some are in the habit of doing, uh, refrain from gathering together and assembling. And then in time, Ephesians five sixteen talks about making the best use of time, understand what the will of the Lord is. Yes, and in another, uh, uh, another, another, uh, translation it says in Ephesians 5.16, making the most of every opportunity. So in, in a real sense, time and opportunities go hand in hand. Yes, sir. And then another is that we steward gifts or grace. Um, Ephesians 3.2 says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So God entrusts us with his grace. And lastly, we, re, we steward his resources, which he entrusts to us. So all of that is just kind of the precursor to the scripture, scripture we're going to be looking at. So now that you understand what stewardship is, it's the responsible care for what's entrusted to us and the things that we steward, which I would say is all-encompassing. There's not much that falls, doesn't fall under these five things, would you say? So if you want to turn in the scriptures to Luke 16, 1 through 13, what we'll do is we'll read through the scripture and then I kind of just want to go through and, and make some observations uh, from Luke 16. Are we there? Ready? Okay, Luke 16, it's, it's a longer passage, but if you bear with me, you'll see just how uh, profound this passage is. There were many questions that I had in reading it and ones that I hadn't had answered until this week that I, I didn't understand until till this week. It says, Jesus told this story to his disciples. So remember, this scripture comes right after the prodigal son, and it, and it ties to it. Jesus isn't being haphazard in the progression of his thought or his teaching, but he's talked about the, the father and the way the father receives the prodigal son. And now he tells this sto story or parable. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. 
one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The ma manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, uh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. By the way, I'm reading from New Living Translation, so if it's different than what you're reading, that's why. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will become to you an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? Faithful. I don't know if, he, it just says he, there was a report. So we don't know if this was substantiated or if this was, was just somebody that wanted to get this guy fired because he yes, didn't sir. like him, so he had said bad things about him. I don't know. But we get the picture that he's called into the, you can see, into the, to the office and said, what's this I hear about you? And he doesn't even ask, did you do these things? He says, you're fired. Wow. So, done. He's gone. Um, and the manager's thinking to myself, whoa, that, that just blindsided me. What just happened? Yes, sir. And this is the part that I had always had questions about. Okay, so the, the owner has debtors, right? Yes, sir. People that owe him. And, and it, you have to think in the, the time frame of this, this historical context. Do you remember uh, Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector. Yes, and it was a common practice in that day that um, if you were a tax collector, okay, the Roman Empire could charge this much for, for your taxes. The tax collector could choose how much he wanted to overcharge to get how much he wanted for himself. Does that make sense? So, so if Connie owed $50 in taxes and I wanted $50, I charge her $100. And the person that is... Oh, owing the money doesn't know how much is actually from the state and how much I'm overcharging. They That's just right. know the state is saying you owe this much. So there's a lot of dishonesty in that because I can charge what, what in that instance 100% so that I get 100% profits beyond what the state is charging. Yes, sir. So this manager calls in debt Two different, they only give two situations. I'm guessing he did this multiple times, but to summarize what the story was, they gave two instances. And one where, where it says, how much do you owe? And it said, 
um, 800 gallons of olive oil. And he says, take the bill, cut it in half. And the thing that I always had questions about is because later it said that the owner was kind of impressed with his shrewdness. Uh-huh. Why would he be impressed? He's already been dishonest towards him as the story tells. Yes, sir. Why would he be impressed with this guy being dishonest further? And as I studied this, there were three different options. There were the option that he just flat out took the bill that was 800 gallons of olive oil and that was what was owed and he just plain cut it in half. And so, in essence, he gave a, a 50% loss to the boss, right? Uh-huh. The, the boss wouldn't think that's a good idea or shrewd because I just got cut 50% off of what I was owed. Why would... And then another one was that, well, when you have a debt, there's interest, right? So others thought that maybe the, that the, the manager took and he just said, this is how much you owe minus the interest, pay him. Sure. And, and he gave him a discount in the sense, we're not going to charge the interest that was owed you. We're just going to charge you the original debt. So in that sense, he still gets what was owed him minus the interest. Right. The third option that I thought was fascinating that um, is a, a very likely possibility was that the manager cut off his commission. Yes, sir. Instead of charging him what he owed plus his commission, he just charged him what he owed and cut from himself what he was owed. That, to me, would be honorable in the sense of the manager is doing something that he loses on, but the boss doesn't lose on. And so the boss could admire that. Well, the dude is fired, but that was a pretty sweet move because he, he took out his commission and the people were willing to pay because they were going to sure. get a discount because, in the sense, they weren't going to have to pay any commission. And so the only loss that came was the loss that he incurred himself. So all of this asks, why did the manager do this in the first place? Why did, why did he think this was a, a good solution for his future? Because he's fired. That's on his resume. <laughs> and he says, I don't, don't want to do physical labor. So in other words, I'm not going to hire myself out to, to dig ditches. And I'm too proud to beg, so I'm not going to be on the street just uh, begging for, for food or money. So what's my, what's my option? He said, well, I'll try to get in the good graces of the people that yes, are owed. And so then that would present future opportunities. Absolutely. Because if you, it's, it's not common in business world that if you show good business towards somebody, then, then that might be a, a future business opportunity, right? Yes, sir. So the, the, the manager did something that was shrewd in that he, I think he cut his own commission and therefore benefited both himself and the owner because then he presented an opportunity for his future but also got the, the owner his money. So that, that made a lot of sense to me. So Jesus tells this story, and we don't know, sometimes parables Jesus told were just made up. They weren't necessarily a, a factual right. yes, event that happened. He, he used an example and told a story, right? So we don't know if this was actual an event or of something Jesus 
but nonetheless, Jesus tells the parable for the sake of teaching about what is stewardship in the kingdom. And the things I, I wanted to look at was, this, this to me was another question, because he said, you know, he was contrasting worldly wealth, do you remember it says against true wealth? Yes, sir. D did the question raise in your mind, what is true wealth? If, if Jesus is saying money, physical wealth, is worldly wealth, and then he's saying the kingdom, that there's true wealth, and there's a contrast there, what, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you have any ideas of what is he talking about of what is true wealth? And I don't think there's one answer, but I have an idea, and I'll share it with you, but I was curious if you had any thoughts. What's, what's true wealth? Anyone? To me, Health? Health? Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? Love. Love? That's a good answer, always. Story. You know. What's that, Richard? I would tell a little story. Tell a little story? I don't know if we have time for a story in the middle of service. <laughs> would you be willing to tell me the story after service? Okay. Um, so what I would say, though, is world, worldly wealth is temporal, right? We can't take anything with take anything with us beyond our life now. So in my mind, eternal wealth or true wealth is what is eternal. True wealth is anything that is eternal. What what is eternal? Say that again. Faith is eternal. Yes. Heaven is eternal. Relationships can be eternal, right? And I found that that was an interesting thing that Jesus was saying that I entrust you with worldly wealth. Be faithful with what is temporal, with what doesn't last. Then you'll know how to be entrusted with, for say, for example, eternal wealth of the gospel. And you'll be a good steward of the gospel of grace. So we're learning the way we use money, the way we steward our relationships, the way we steward uh, our body, our health, the way we steward all that, that's been entrusted to, to us is a, a practice and exercise on preparing us to steward what is eternal. And so it, it reframes as we think about our lives and the way we make decisions that stewardship is an exercise in worship. Because when, when we do things out of worship, then our heart motivation is simply, I want to do what will be the will of God and bring greatest honor and glory to God. And if we made decisions based on that, because we, we, we make decisions out of a lot of different factors, right? Sometimes we make decisions out of fear. Sometimes we make decisions out of what's the pass, path of least resistance. Sometimes we make decisions out of, um, I don't want to feel pain, experience pain. We make decisions for a lot of reasons. And what God is trying to, Jesus is trying to communicate through this is, what is, what is the grid or the framework through which you are stewarding which is entrusted to you? Is there, is there eternity in mind with what you're caring for that's been entrusted to you? And I think when, when we get to the end of our days, 
it won't matter how much we accumulated in, in this world of, of physical things. No, no one leaves this world wishing that I had a few more cars or a, a few more stuff because you can't take anything with you. I had the privilege of um, going to my grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary. Um, they're both passed away, my grandma and grandpa. But uh, one of the things I just thought was, well, as they look in your mirror and you've been married 60 years and lived a full life, and what would you reflect on in your life as to what mattered? Yes, sir. And to me, the thing that always comes to the forefront is just faithfulness, wanting to be faithful. You know, Jesus said that, you know, he talked about the separation of the sheep and the goats, and, and he said to, to, the, to the sheep, well done, good and faithful servant. And wouldn't we all delight? Jesus of his life was said that he had completed the work the Father had given him. None of us can say that. <laughs> we have a lot more work to do. And it's not because we're slacking, or it's because God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. And they're all for his glory. And there, there's much more in our lives to, to, to do for the, the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. And, and for that purpose, we have much more fulfillment to see in our lives. But at the end of a day, our days, we desire to be found faithful, right? Um, what I would like to do is... Um, I was... Reflecting on this, and, and you know how sometimes you just happen upon something that just is timely? I, I was, um, I happened upon this video on Facebook that was uh, supposed to be a prank. And um, it turned out differently than the person thought it would be. And I wanted to show you, it's about five minutes. It's a very powerful video. And... Um, after we watch this, then I wanted to share a few closing comments with you. Yes, sir. You can bring the lights down as we watch this. I, I certainly would have been in the same boat uh, in terms of having my uh, preconceived notions of what he, what he was about to do. I don't know if you had the same thoughts. He's about to get some booze. Um, and was totally shocked to see him giving food away. And, but I thought, I thought it was such a picture of, of the kingdom, of how Jesus entrusts to us wealth, and we get to choose how we use it. And we can use it selfishly for our own de desires, or, or we can find ways to bless others and serve others. And I, I've, I've often heard different people say in my life, if I was rich, I'd be generous too. And I actually, in my heart, say, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> because generosity isn't a, a thing based on our finances. Generosity, we can be generous and we have little. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your ears by listening. You can be generous with your words by speaking words of blessing. You can be generous with your money and giving to others. But my, my heart and my desire of, uh, for today was simply as, as you anticipate 2015, I don't know what 2014 meant for you. If it was a good year, if it was an okay year, if it was a challenging year. Um, but I do know that um, 
that God has good in store for you and that everything that he entrusts to us, he wants us to be able to learn to be generous with. That he wants, he doesn't just give us goods so that we can enjoy them, though he wants us to enjoy the goods he gives us. But more so, he wants us to have the opportunity to be as he is, and he's generous, and he loves to be generous. And the currency of the kingdom is love. You know, you remember in 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter, where it says, I can do all these things, and if I have not love, I'm nothing. I can give everything I own, but if my motivation for giving isn't love, then it's wasted. So, the question is, am, am I willing to simply hold whatever he entrusts with to me with open hands? That I'm not going to hold to stuff because it can't last anyways. I'm not going to hold to the things that I've been entrusted because I'm simply being a steward of what he has granted to me. And as he has freedom, God loves somebody that is childlike. And we talked about that because there, there's a sense of that uh, of, of joy when we receive and there's a, a joy in giving. Children can be some of the most generous people you'll meet. They also can be some of the most <laughs> selfish people you'll meet. But therein, Jesus was honing in on the, just the, the freedom of that I, I'm not thinking about it, what, what pertains to my reputation or how it looks. I'm just out of the childlikeness of heart just responding. And my prayer for you this year as we go into this year is that, that you would be found as a good steward with a childlike heart that simply holds everything that God's entrusted you with, with open hands and open arms just saying, Lord, it's all yours. How do you want to use it? To, this year is yours. How do you want to use it? I have desires, I have dreams, I have hopes, I have aspirations, but I submit all those to you because what I really, really want is what you want. Amen? We're going to have an opportunity as we close here. I'm going to pray. If you desire, if it's your heart's desire, just you, you want some time to offer this upcoming year 2015 up to the Lord and it's just a thing of a simple dedication Lord 2015 is yours I submit it to you you're, you're the Lord I'm your servant then have freedom to, to, to spend some time at the altar today if you would, would and, and that can be a thing and I've said this before if if, that, if you want to pray with somebody, awesome. Somebody will pray with you. If you just want time alone to, to offer yourself and your year to, to the Lord, then do that also. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you that you, Lord, are so faithful and that you invite us into your faithfulness to be participation, in participation with you, that we might steward and might take care of the things that you've entrusted to us. Even as Adam it was entrusted in the garden, even before 
the fall of man and sin entered the world, that he had the joyful opportunity to be in the garden and in a way that pleases you and honors you and, and s spreads your love in this world. We offer ourselves to you this morning. We thank you for this new year. I speak blessing of peace, blessing of, of encouragement, blessing of joy to all that are present, that they would experience the full measure of your love towards each one. And Lord, that we would have great freedom not only to receive your love, but to freely, freely give it. In Jesus' name, amen.